Welcome back to In the Queue. Uh, I'm Phil, your co-host, and mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say that there is really nothing to be afraid of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's so true. <laughs> I am your other co-host, Andrew, and I just, I, you know, mm. the the preponderance of horror movies in today's world you know yeah you just uh, you just can't keep them at a good quality can you <laughs> you just not, you just can't not always not always unfortunately uh we're going to talk about Ouija which is a new horror film based on the popular board game once popular the board Hasbro game. board game yeah and uh before we do that I'd like to tell you a little bit about where you can find us on the web if you don't already know you can go to our blog at www.in-the-q, it's the letter Q.com. And on our blog, you can listen to all of our shows, you can leave comments, and you can leave suggestions for movies you'd like us to review. Similarly, yeah. on our Facebook page, just do a search for In the Q, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. There you can also find our shows. You can find uh, supplemental videos that we post to sort of enhance your listening experience and viewing experience, actually, too. Indeed, indeed. Um, We do post some videos there. You can also participate in the comment section, and you can also leave uh, listener requests for movies you'd like us to review as well. And lastly, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, and then our shows will be delivered to you as they are released, totally free. Uh, it's totally awesome. Uh, it is yeah, totally awesome. It is pretty cool. And so you can get, you can have access to all of our shows that way. And uh, yeah, you can put them on your iPod or whatever and enjoy them however you see fit. However you see fit. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about Ouija, which is... I'm going to just... Get, get right out and say but, it. I want to just get right can out I, and say wait, it. Wait, no, I, I need to preface it with something. I need to preface this entire conversation with something. What are you going to say? And that is, we are here at In the Queue, in the thick of the awards season. All the big, awesome, award-winning movies are coming out. Right. But because of our geographical <laughs> differences, sometimes right, yeah. we don't get to watch... The good movies that are out we could. because they haven't been released where Phil lives just yet. I live in New York, so things come out here first. Yeah, to begin with. Yeah, so we could. It's, yeah, it's, I am very lucky. We could in that be regard. watching Foxcatcher this. Oh, but but no. Or the theory of everything, or any number of other films that but, have been yeah. coming out in the last few weeks. Let me preface your preface, though, Andrew. You yeah, you were very excited about watching Ouija this week because you knew. This was a movie that you could really trash. <laughs> <laughs> so you you were you were a willing participant in this quasi. Let's just say I went into it with low expectations, and somehow were they met? They managed to go lower. Oh yeah. There's I one don't thing. Know. There's one thing that oh. kind of. There's a performance in this movie. I think is 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 decent, enjoyable, but. Uh, bef- I'll be very interested to hear about that. Yeah, well, decent, <laughs> enjoyable. I stand by those adjectives. Uh, okay. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. All right. So the I'll give you just sort of the basic plot, as 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 little as there is. Um, what happens is there's there's these two friends, Lane and Debbie, these two 
uh, girls who are friends. And um, when they are, I would say, in their mm, preteen years, they play a game with the Ouija board. And yeah. it, uh, you know, it proves to be diverting for them. Flash forward several years later, and Debbie is by herself in her home, very dark, um, no lights around anywhere. And she, she finds the Ouija board, I believe, on her, her bed. Uh, yeah, it just materializes. She had disposed of it. She had tried to burn the Ouija board yeah. because it was full of dark magic and you aren't supposed to play it by yourself. Yeah. And ooh, it was spooky. But she got rid of it, but she couldn't get rid of it. It rematerialized on her bed it, in a spooky <laughs> shot where they tracked down and there's the board. It was the game that wouldn't die. <laughs> by Hasbro. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then she gets so freaked out by it that she grabs some Christmas lights and hangs herself. She hangs yep. herself with several strands of Christmas lights that are somehow still plugged in, even though. Right. I, I don't I know. I, no, you, let's let's not get into the semantics because it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What ha- okay. It was done for the visual. They thought it would be cool to see somebody's face lit up by a bunch of Christmas lights as they were hanging. Yeah. Okay. So that's it, it would look cool, which is maybe what this director's M.O. really is. So maybe. what happens is um, uh, Lane, the best friend and her buddies who consist of uh, her friends and uh, ex-boyfriends, etc., of of Debbie, they all decide that they're going to try and figure out what happened because they suspect something more uh, sinister than just a suicide mm. attempt. Yes. And so that's basically the, the, uh, the engine of the plot. And from then on, it goes on where they try and they do all these ridiculously stupid things to try and, and understand something that appears to be of a totally occult nature. Um, and uh, it involves like sneaking into, you know, people's homes and unearthing corpses um and just mm-hmm. very very finding well preserved corpses in in the basements of right buildings that it's inexplicable how they're so well preserved but whatever yeah it, it it's just um the acting sucks the um the scares if you can call them as such were non-existent Non-existent, completely. And I want to talk about the scares for a minute because yeah, this, this film, basically, it behaves as it thinks a horror movie should behave. Yes, yes. In the sense that nobody turns lights on. If you're, if you're walking around a home, no lights. And the, the director always stages these like fake-out scares where somebody will, will walk across the room and then they'll walk up to the camera and open a door, and and we're supposed to expect that something's going to pop out behind the door. And then, ooh, it doesn't happen very often, so we're like, ah, we got misdirected. This movie is really keeping me in suspense. And basically, the reason why I was not falling for those fake, you know, pop-out scares is because I was not afraid. And I was not afraid because what was there to be afraid of exactly? Because yeah. there is there is a there's a board game, and for the first section of the film, it is nothing more than a board game. And there is really what am I, what am I supposed to be afraid is going to jump out of the doorway at that moment? It just seems well, like it was a cliche way to build suspense, 
and and divert and you know s- subvert your expectations. But I don't understand how the villain of the film, being a board game, is supposed to sort of frighten us. Well, it isn't the the board game isn't really the villain, right? It's revealed to be that there's this little girl who was wronged by. I don't know who. I don't even know. Like what? I don't even know what. Well, the world did to her. The, the reason, anyway, yeah. But the thing is, you're absolutely right, and you're going ahead to sort of like the, from the second act of the film forward. Yeah, but yeah. I that's mean, true. That's... I'm talking about in the first act when they're trying to build atmosphere, and the only thing that we've that's been established to be somewhat sinister is this very innocuous board game, which has no power. But what what happens with the the girl? And spoiler alert. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, yeah. Spoiler alert: <laughs> If if for some reason, yeah, you're gonna watch this movie. If you want to just have some kind of a cheap thrill after listening to us trash this film, and and <laughs> uh, well, yeah, she she is she's evil. The little girl is evil, and her sister, played by Lynn Shay, who I know best from There's Something About Mary. Oh God! Do yeah. you remember? You remember who she was in that? Yeah. Yeah. She, Lin Shay plays the the sister of this girl who who was killed, and this and Lin Shay lives in some kind of a retirement community when she really should be living in like a ward for the criminally insane because <laughs> she's yeah. so fucking scary and and malicious. Weird. Yeah. Um, well, the, the 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 Ouija board becomes a threat when we learn that the the mother of of Lin Shay and then the other girl um, is evil and she sewed the girl's mouth shut. But then yeah. we learn that in fact, the tables have turned and it, it yes. is the girl, not the mother who is the evil one. Yeah. But here's the thing. Yeah. The, the work that they go do that they go to, to try and set up all of these sort of intricacies of the plot to try and explain it away, just rang completely hollow. Like there, it didn't seem mm. Like you said, it didn't seem particularly sinister, and because we spend the first half of the film not having any clue what's going on, <laughs> what's going on, um, or or really caring that much, I mean, it, it's it's an unusual thing because it'll provide us with scares that provide no actual scares. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like there's no, there's no sense of imminent danger. There's, for instance, there's the one of the conventions that the film sets up is that when you look through the eye of the the planchette, the, that's what it's the called. planchette. Yeah. Yes, when you look through the eye of the planchette, you can see ghosts. Right, right, right. That's set up right at the beginning of the film, and uh, and you know they they do this little cheap scare where they look through the eye of the planchette and they see their sister and it's, she's silhouetted against the wall. You're like, oh, scary ghost. Oh, uh, no, it's just their sister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then. Later in the film, the first time that we get to see little mouth sewed shut girl <laughs> is this is this little she's looking through you know the our our hero Lane is looking through the eye of the planchette and sees this girl, and then the girl's like, "No, it's not you know through the Ouija board mm-hmm. co- communicates with them that it's not me that you should be afraid of, it's my mother, yeah, and then she turns around and the mother bum rushes the camera and then Nothing happens. They're in no physical danger. There's no, like, so a creepy thing just bum-rushed you while you were looking through the eye of the planchette. So don't look through the eye of the planchette. Yeah. Problem solved. Yeah. Well, like, there's, it, it seems so innocuous yeah. for so much of the film. In fact, for the entire film, almost. Well, at one point, though, like, I guess you would say in the third act, 
inexplicably, the Ouija board has tremendous power over everybody, and it has the power to kill people uh, whenever it wants, or if you can call it, if you can say that it wants something, whenever... And to to physically manipulate them in a way that it couldn't earlier, and and they just explain that away with a stupid line where they're like, "Uh, it's gaining power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's like, okay, all right, it's gaining power, great. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for giving yourself an excuse to actually have something happen in this film, but I don't buy it. Thank you very much. Is, I mean, did Hasbro cooperate with the makers of this film? I mean, I, I, I'm gonna I don't do know. Some, I'm going to do some research. <laughs> I think I think it, this is great that we watched this very shortly after we did our review of the movie Clue. Yes. Because Clue is also an adaptation of a board game that is masterful yeah. and brilliant in every way. My, and this is the complete opposite. My opening of that. quote was I almost went with this one. I kind of wished I had that. I was going to say, I was going to say, <laughs> Ouija, I watched Clue. I rewatched Clue. I knew Clue. And you, sir, are no Clue. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, and it's there's not that many board game movies out there. There's the, Battleship is a recent one. Yeah, I don't, which is terrible as well. But e- but even that has more of a story than this movie does. Yeah, it's just terrible. I mean, uh, and and can I can I I want to take a moment. Oh yeah, take a moment to talk about just how astonishingly uncharismatic. Every member of this cast is. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen a film where I just thought that nobody put in an even uh-huh. halfway decent performance. I thought they were just, it was just Can you blame them? Complete. I mean. Can I blame them? I'm not saying no. they're good actors. Well, they're, they're not. But I feel like, what did they have to go on in this film? Well, at least, at least they, you know, usually in a film, in films like these, usually in cheap stupid horror movies even when they're bad you've got some people who are at least you know kind of selling it uh-huh. they're at least giving it an effort and and usually the people who are casting the film it's it seems like this was almost they they cast it from photos and never had the people come in and do a screen <laughs> test to to see if if there was any chemistry or any like if they could act opposite the camera in any way like yeah. like it 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 seemed like they just cast it because they liked the way that the people looked, and it's and it's full of reasonably pretty people. I mean, oh, yeah. all all the men and all the women in it are, are attractive people, mm-hmm. but they're attractive in a very bland way. Like they they're not attractive because they have any personality. You know, it's not like looking at River Phoenix and saying that's a physically attractive man who's also mm-hmm. uh, just like oozing personality. Right. None of these people. These people are like it's like a, a cast of dead fish. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't even know. I don't. I honestly cannot remember a time when I've ever seen a film where I just didn't care about any. I, I just could not. Yeah. I and and it wasn't even a. It wasn't even like when I watch Badlands and I'm like, I don't care about these jerks, uh-huh. you know, running around. But I can recognize that this is an interesting thing that's happening in front right, of me. They're good performances, nonetheless. They're good performances, and these are compelling actors. <laughs> I. I watched this and I was just like, I don't, what, I, what am I watching? <laughs> well, the, the performance that I kind of singled out. And I, oh, I am so eager to hear this. The, I thought the one performance that actually was a performance, even though it was kind of over the top, was Lynn Shea as the elder sister in the, the retirement home. 
I thought it was weak. I thought it was weak. Well, you gotta. I can, you gotta I can respect that. You gotta judge it in ratio to the strength of the other performance. I feel. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but put put her in the room with an even remotely decent actor, and I mean, like, clearly this is an utter, utter failure of direction, right? I mean, yeah. you you can't get this many bad performances out of people unless you are just completely incapable as a director, mm-hmm. um, and that's of course echoed by everything else the look of the film the the construction of the film the feel of the film yeah like there's nothing in here that has any kind of uh quality well it's i mean it's like a slick uh, on, on a purely sensory level i thought it was it was slick in terms of the photography the camera movement i i didn't no actually you know what really irked me about this movie what? is that it was a constantly tracking camera i couldn't figure out why the camera never stopped moving Maybe I mean, maybe were, he watched John Carpenter's Halloween too many times before he popped this one in. Maybe, but it it's just like every every setup, especially in the opening of the film. I remember sitting there watching it and saying, "Why are we why are we dollying sideways? Mm-hmm. What what information is this?" And and then it would immediately cut to the next shot, and it would be mid motion moving forward. And it was it was there wasn't a stationary camera. Now, as we got into the film, there were sure some stationary shots and everything, but I just couldn't figure out why it was so restless. It wasn't like mm-hmm. a Martin Scorsese film where the camera's restlessness has a purpose. It was just kind of like, well, we've got all this dolly track. Well, let's just lay it down and or maybe move the camera. Maybe around. Styles White, the director who. I don't know what else he or she has done, but um, I, he or she basically he probably thought that movement is cinema, like it's something which I like to say a lot. I mean, movement is camera movement is is interesting in a film, and a, the way to enliven something boring where there's really nothing going on, no subtext whatsoever, even is to move the camera, and and by doing those tracking shots where it would start behind the wall where it was dark and then it would dolly to the right and then it would reveal them in the room playing that was that was his attempt at directing yeah well i just looked him up on imdb yeah i looked him up too he has been a production coordinator for the special effects department yeah for a whole bunch of films yeah yeah, i see that now he's written a number of it looks like he transitioned from that into writing films and then this is his first directorial effort. He wrote Knowing. Was that like the religious-themed uh, disaster that film? That was the bizarre disaster film with Nicolas Cage that was directed by Alex Proyas, who directed The Crow and Dark City, one of my favorite movies. Uh-huh. And it was not particularly good. It wasn't, it wasn't the worst, but it wasn't very good. It was also co-written by Juliet Snowden, who co-wrote Ouija. So oh there's a whole, well, there's, there's like a whole bevy of, uh, of these people working together. Well, that's interesting. Uh, it's one of those sort of strange Hollywood things where people who make consistently bad movies seem to keep working. Uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I, I don't really understand. I mean, I do understand it. I'm sure it's all about networking and then the people that they know and who they're connected to, but mm-hmm. you know, Making bad movies that don't make very much money, I would think, would be the death knell for yeah. somebody in the industry. But well, I don't know how what the budget was for Knowing or Ouija. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll say on the on the uh, page for Ouija. But you know, I think horror movies have a special distinction in the world yeah. of movies because they don't have to be good to make money. 
Uh, yeah, the budget uh, for this was only five million. Yeah, I mean, people will still see them even if they don't have a great review in any newspaper or online publication. Um, yeah, and I guess as long as you're making the money back and then some, who cares, right? Yeah, I mean, five million is really low budget when you consider most budgets well, today. Yeah, and it's grossed fifty million already. So, <laughs> oh man, it's it's made ten times its money. So that you know? what that means is Styles White is a genius in in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they see that. Well, that is how they. That's part of. I mean, you know, I mean, if we we could get into a whole long conversation about the the ills of Hollywood, but right, that is part of the problem is that when your only concern is the bottom line and whether people are making money, then. Yeah, movies that take word of mouth to get started are not going to do well. Movies that are a little bit harder to read, you know, especially if you're if you're compounding this with the fact that opening weekend seems to be the only thing that matters. Yeah, movies don't have any longevity. So many movies are getting made that they keep getting replaced at the multiplex before people can even see one movie. So it's only a movie will be out for two or three weeks before it disappears. Right, right. Uh, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of problems here, but I think I think the problems with this film run much deeper than just sort of the the cynical yeah uh way in which it was made and especially because there have actually been a lot of really decent horror movies being made even the bad horror movies even something like as above so below which mm-hmm. we reviewed earlier this year which i did not like i did not really like it at all yeah it had worlds more conviction than this film seemed mm-hmm. to have even, even well, if the conviction was all wrong and it was a total yeah disaster i mean it, it, it had a it had a premise not just a good premise yeah but it had a premise what is the premise of ouija the premise is that this board game will will conjure up evil spirits who will kill you well it'll allow you to like they just i guess had the bad luck of of being in a house where the evil spirit they where the people happen to have hidden a <laughs> The dead body of a girl in a tiny little room that can only be accessed by an air duct in the basement. Like, I don't... Yeah. It didn't even make sense. And the geography of it didn't make sense. When they were in that room, like, you could see through... Like, you kept see, getting these shots from the other side of a wall. So I was like, are they in, like, a room that's walled off a part of another room? And spatially, I was confused as well. It didn't make... It made no sense. Yeah, it was just a... It's a sort of incompetently done... It really was. It, it. I mean, they, it's like they just built a set that they thought looked kind of cool and called it a day. Yeah. And didn't really care how it connected to anything else. I recall once when I was in film school, uh, back at School of the Arts, where me and Andrew were there for uh, yeah. a few moments. And um, <laughs> uh, so we, some people were talking about an opportunity that there was a producer who said that they were going to – they would – they would fund a a film group to produce four low budget films at a cost of like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a piece. Like they would give a million dollars to a director, producer, team to make four really short, really low budget rather, not short, but low yeah. budget films. Yeah, yeah. And this was back in like nineteen ninety eight when two hundred fifty thousand dollars meant more than it does now. It was still a yeah. small amount, but but I remember thinking, like, that's it, man. You know, like, with that kind of a budget, it's it's more about what you can do with the medium than it is about, like, what kind of amount of special effects or production values you can you can impress people with. Well, and that and that was, you know, I mean, 
I don't know if you would call what we're in right now a renaissance of sorts for horror films, but it's certainly it's certainly a good time to be making horror films because mm-hmm. so, so many of them come out. I mean, we get multiple horror films every month. Yeah. Which is unique, I think, in the history of film. It didn't used to be the case 10, 10 or 15 or 20 years ago or 50 years ago that they weren't coming out with that kind of frequency. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is that if you go back when it was when it was harder to to make films and when people were making horror films because uh, making any, any other kind of film was a great deal more expensive, mm-hmm. um, y- you can get to this whole sort of uh, like the the investment that people would make even when the movies were bad. It it tended to be uh, it tended to be a more interesting venture, regardless of the quality of the film, which uh-huh. is why people love going back and watching those like crappy eighties horror flicks, right? You know, um, well, I mean, I think the the horror movie, pardon the pun, has been done to death. I mean, especially <laughs> yeah. in this country, where I mean, this, Ouija as a horror film plays on all these tropes that we we know we know them by heart. From every other horror yeah. film we've seen, the evil mother, the crazy old person, you know, I mean, like every single sort of familiar aspect of, of movies that have scared us in the past have been thrown haphazardly into this movie in the hopes that they'll scare us all over again. Yeah. And, and I think that the, this is this is something that we talked about when we talked about As Above, So Below. And I think it's the case in this film as well. And a, a trend in modern horror with a lot of the modern horror films. Mm -hmm. And that is that like, it's, it's again, that idea that they, they know the tropes, yeah, but they don't understand the tropes like the The tropes, which in a previous films would have been motivated. Yeah. Like there would have been a reason for, for us to care about the mother, the evil mother, like an an older film, a film from the seventies or the eighties would have taken the time to get us invested in the relationship. Right. Uh, or the backstory of this this mother or anything, but in this it's just like oh, all we got to do is throw in a mom and make her jaw unhinge really wide, and it'll look really creepy and weird, and yeah. you know, end of story. Yeah, we are done. He's woo. Yeah, I think that you said the same thing about the the Muppet movies too, about how people they don't understand why we love the Muppets. They just know that they really like that the Muppets. we love the Muppets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, we're comparing apples and oranges here, but. Yeah, well, I think I would rather. I, I'll watch any Muppet movie, <laughs> no matter how bad, you know, over this. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. Uh, well, yeah, so Ouija, I think you can sort of tell by me and Andrew's reaction that we didn't like it. That's not clear. Oh, no. um, <laughs> yeah. I don't really. If that's not clear, <laughs> uh, you might want to reconsider how you listen to things. Exactly. <laughs> things in general, not just podcasts, but things in general. Indeed. So, yeah. So, see something else. If you happen to live in a metropolitan area, why not watch Foxcatcher? Uh, that's something that uh, we could do next time, maybe. Yeah. Uh, or go back and watch any of the number of films that have come over the last couple of months that have been. Go watch Birdman. Birdman. Go watch uh, Gone Girl. Go watch something of, of value. <laughs> yeah, Gone Girl is still out there in a lot of multiplexes, so you can always check that out. So yeah. far, that's still my favorite of the year. Uh, we shall see how it pans out. Yeah, we'll give you our end of year faves. All right. We'll there. Okay. So uh, listen up to our next podcast. It's going to be about Big Hero 6, which is a new film, uh, but it's going to be a listener request for this episode. 
Uh, Emily requested it, so she will be joining us on the show. So we look forward to that, and we'll see you then. Catch you next time.